Hello and welcome to JOSPT Insights, the podcast that aims to help you translate quality research to quality practice. I'm Claire Ardern, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Orthopaedic and Sports Physical Therapy. It's great to have you listening today. My guest today argues that to truly understand pain, clinicians need a basic grasp of neuroscience. The JOSPT Pain Science in Practice series is a new set of articles that we have launched to help you understand and communicate the key elements of pain and the role that those elements play in your clinical practice, from your clinical reasoning to treatment. Dr. Morten Hui is a physiotherapist, an educator, and a researcher from Aalborg University in Aalborg, Denmark, and he leads the JOSPT Pain Science in Practice series. Today, Morten joins me to explain how he is decoding the basic science of pain and how the JOSPT Pain Science in Practice series will help you help your patients. Dr. Morten Hui, welcome to JOSPT Insights. Thank you so much for having me. Um thrilled to be here. I'm really pleased that you're joining us to decode some pain neuroscience today and talk about a new series that we've launched in JOSPT that folks might have read a little bit about the pain science in practice series, Morton, that you're leading. Can you tell us what is the pain science in practice series? As physios or MSK practitioners, what we've done over the last perhaps decades we we have all of these theories and each theory is linked up to a specific treatment where you address certain dysfunctions for one of a better word so the idea is always that it's too much too little or it's too tall too short too strong too weak so this this sort of dichotomous idea where where the dysfunction is is what we're looking for and the theory explains us what to look for and then correcting the dysfunction will help the patient get better and when we look at all the data, it does seem that people are getting better. But interestingly, both the theories and the effects of using those theories in practice seem to be quite similar. So if we look at the theories, Nick Kayanis did this in his uh, postdoc work with Paul Hodges and others. He looked at, at many of the modern-based theories, uh, these movement-based theories, and he found out that they were actually all having different names for the same observations. So basically, they all looked at whether or not you hurt when you flex or extend or rotate or do something similar, but it was always movement that hurts. So the dysfunction idea was to correct the movement and the pain should go away. This was, for me at least, that was really an eye-opener because as I was training to be a physio back in the 90s, it was so clear to me that whenever people were hurting, there was something wrong with them. And my job as a physio was to correct that. And when I did my job well, I would know that because my patients would get better. After I read Nick's paper and uh, also in the years ahead of that had been training some neuroscience, I realized that actually what we are witnessing in, in MSK is this paradigm shift, you would call it from biomechanics into neurophysiology. So it wasn't that I didn't understand the neuroscience. I just didn't understand why I shouldn't use biomechanics. Actually, what we are talking about is not just another way of looking at pain. It's really replacing that old idea of using anatomy as the basic science for biomechanics, using that to explain pain. 
So getting rid of that and completely replacing it with another basic science, in this case, neuroscience. The theory or the idea about the whole series is to introduce people to the nuts and bolts of neuroscience as a paradigm shift. Our hope with the series is, of course, to provide the, the necessary information to start refocusing on, on that basic science approach. And I think this is really helpful because we're all used to now this idea that pain is much broader than nociception or tissue damage. We're all on board, I think, with this idea that tissue damage doesn't necessarily equal pain and pain is much more complex. And there is a lot of complexity that we need to consider as clinicians, but it can feel either overwhelming or at least difficult to know sometimes where to start. And there's huge amount of science going on as you as you're starting to introduce in this series but I think in a really clinically oriented way and that's not to say that you're dumbing down the science but as you say it's about bringing the science and the advances that are happening all the time in pain neuroscience to that clinical context what's your elevator pitch Morton why do we need this pain science in practice series I want to pay homage to David Butler and Laurie mostly for the book Explain Pain which was sort of for many of us, it was the lead-in to start to understand pain from a different perspective. And that was tying metaphorical explanations based on neuroscience into how we could treat and understand pain. For me, at least, that was really the, the thing that got me into pain in the first place. The thing about that is, of course, that it's not introducing the science. It's about using metaphors based on science to explain it. So as that has gotten you know, much more popular, including all this pain neurobiology education, which I think is great. It's just not the science. So what has happened, what I've seen, especially when you start to look at, you know, papers coming out in various journals, you see that people are using the metaphorical explanations as science. So they, they sort of, in fear from a metaphor, the science has to be like this. And that has led to a lot of misnomers and misconceptions about what neuroscience really is. On the other hand, when, when you look at, when you go to sort of conferences, basic science conferences on, on pain, for instance, you know, you need a certain insight to understand what it's all about. So as I see, there's been this gap between what clinicians talk about and how clinical neuroscience approaches are being used and applied and, and also the clinical research part of it is being applied and then you have the basic science so why do we need we need that you know that bridge to bridge the gap basically where people who don't need or want that deep insight into what neuroscience really is they still need that sort of it's like a traveler's handbook you could say um, if you if you want to cross the bridge how what does the words mean and uh, as as we are speaking I'm I'm doing the whole central sensitization piece it's just wonderful to be challenged again and again to say, is this really relevant and what is necessary in order to understand the science? That's great. And it brings me to my next question, and that is how will the Pain Science in Practice series help clinicians help the patients that they work with? And I suppose what I'm really getting at there is what are you covering? What's in Pain Science in Practice? The ideal thing for me would be that more and more clinicians start to get rid of the end organ-based or tissue-based explanations for pain. So pain is not caused by tissue stretching or damaging or tensioning or any of that. So 
saying that your pain is caused by and then using any sort of anatomy or biomechanics, even movement, is probably inaccurate at best. So we need to understand what is pain really. Of course, one approach would be to just say your pain is like this and describe it the way the patient explains it. Then you don't need to go into any of that. But we need the theories to drive our treatment. And as it turns out, many of the pains that we talk about are better explained or equally well explained by changes in the nervous system, such as sensitization. So rather than using, for instance, tense tissue or facet joints or false movements as explanations, which of course will lead rationally to the explanation that if your movements are dysfunctional, the treatment is moving correct. And then the patient will be looking in a mirror and they would have this misconception that when I move correctly, my pain will go away. So replacing that with neuroscience means understanding that sensitization could be the reason why, or one of the main reasons why the patient hurts. That's at least something that is going on that we can ideally measure at some point. But also understanding from neuroscience that we have explanations to why pain relief occurs and they're not the same. So treating sensitization is not the best way to go about managing pain. Actually, we have this descending modulatory system, which is, you know, the science there is massive and we know so much. And that explains why contextual factors might help reduce pain. It explains why pain relief can actually be a way to approach a better everyday life functioning. So, so rather than explaining, you know, why the theory is correct, we try to understand what is going on and separating that from how can I help the patient. One of the things that I really like about your editorial series is the elegant graphics that you've embedded. And I think sometimes we can look at these graphics and think, oh my goodness, there's so many different receptors and molecules with funny names and it's taking me back to my neurophysiology days and oh gosh, now I've got to dig out the textbook. But I think you've conveyed a lot of information in a really elegant way and in a way that really complements the writing and the messages that you're trying to convey. So congratulations Congratulations on doing that. And, and I'm wondering how you approach that balancing the complexity and the physiology with the clinical message. Well, thank you, first of all. That's very lovely to hear because I, I you know, my background has been, been science teaching for so long. And I, I really definitely, again, I need to pay homage to, to David Butler and Lorimer mostly, of course. But perhaps in this case, it's more Mick Thacker, who I mentioned before, Professor Mick Thacker who always try to take all of these bits and parts of science and build them into a coherent history or story. What I think is good for clinicians, and at least for me, has been to create this coherent story of how things relate. It's, it's almost like those drawings you know, that kids would do where you draw from number to number. We have all these numbers and we know so much about the basics of neuroscience and how it relates to pain. So... If we use the proper science, as I would say, that the things that are solidified to an extent that these are things that would be in all textbooks, that would give us the numbers and now we need to draw the line. So what I'm trying to do with the graphics is to, to draw that line. If it takes about a day or two to write up the editorial, then the graphics would take perhaps a week or two. So it's something that I, I, and I use a lot of my, my network to review the, the figures and, and also the, the peer reviewers have been excellent in pointing out things that are not coherent with the story. So 
Thank you. I, and I hope, of course, that people will use the graphics in their teaching because they're supposed to be good for passing on the information, for instance, at, at schools and universities. We hope so too. Morton, what are the three most important messages about pain neuroscience that you'd like JOSPT Insights listeners to take home or take away with them from this podcast? I think the most important bit is that in neuroscience is not, it, it really doesn't work in parallel with biomechanics. It's a, it's a paradigm shift. So it's either one or the other. And I think that's really difficult for many people. We like to stick with what we know. And I think it's about taking the leap and trying this new thing. So the first off is it's a paradigm shift. The second one is the reason I think that paradigm shift is good or necessary is because it helps us understand treatment better. So when I understand that I can actually identify a problem, I don't need to fix that problem. I can still manage the pain or support the patient in managing their own pain. And I can base that on solid, continuously growing body of evidence. Whereas I would argue that the body of evidence on biomechanics and, and anatomy is, is not continuously growing, at least not to the same extent. And then finally, I think neuroscience, although it, it came out as a way to metaphorically explain pain to patients, I think neuroscience basically is not for patients, it's for clinicians and, and professionals. It's our language, and we are we are very we, we easily you know slip into using jargon and explaining pain by using bits and parts of neuroscience, which I think is too reductionistic. So understanding neuroscience is for me part of the backbone of being a clinician, but it's not the same as what I would explain to my patients. I like it. So it's that distinction between the metaphor and the neuroscience. And really, as you allude, as you talked about earlier, this idea of understanding the neuroscience and having that guide the decisions that you're making in clinical practice to support the patient in managing their own pain. Morton, tell us what are the topics that you've covered so far? And then perhaps you can give us a sneak peek into what's coming up. What are you working on as part of this series? There's some obvious things. So, of course, the first one is to understand the, the taxonomy. So, what is a receptor? What is an ion channel? What kinds of receptors do we have? So, that will cover the first. So, we have the auditory, the beginning, so to speak. And then we have two parts where we get all of the name dropping. What is TNF and what is nerve growth factor and what receptors work and that sort of thing. What's the part of the neurons and what's the synapse? All of these basic things. And then... Then we go into in, in the, the one that will come out uh, soon is, is on peripheral sensitization. So we build it in to understand how does tissue damage relate to the peripheral side of, of sensitization. The next one that will come out is, of course, covering this whole idea of central sensitization. Uh, of course, we need to talk about the descending modulatory system as well. So they're, the, I would say, the mandatory bits. But what we really would love for people to do is to, to interact and perhaps uh, let us know on Twitter what would be interesting for them. So would it be great to know more about how pen mechanisms, so how does nociceptive, uh, neuropathic and nociplastic pain work? Or is it more about the theories? What kind of theories are there out there and how can they be applied to, to the clinic? So it would be wonderful if people listening and people reading the, the series would interact. Uh, and I think Twitter is a good place to do that. 
and and we will try and keep track of what people are requesting and and as long as it's within the scope of the series i'll be happy to initiate it even if it's not something that i know we can probably have someone else write that bit so so hopefully people would write in and i have tons of ideas but it would be fantastic if people would write in and say we need this as long as they are you know within that frame of presenting basic science in a way that's relevant for clinicians we often talk about meeting the patient where they are and i think here we're talking about meeting the clinician where where the clinician is in terms of their understanding and what is going to resonate and help them also one of the the main ideas about the series is also to to show that there's actually not there's there's a huge part of pain that we cannot explain with neuroscience so i i i just want to make it clear that neuroscience is not the you know the ideal or definitely not the only way to explain pain but it is the basic science that is developing the most and perhaps in my view has the most potential currently but there are competing theories uh, such as computational modeling that are definitely out there and they 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 will you know provide new insights so we we should think of neuroscience computational modeling and and perhaps to some extent other you know sociology for instance as ways to understand or study pain but the patients that come in they are whole human beings Morton how can people get in contact you mentioned twitter so hashtags who can they who can they at to get in contact with you about the pain science in practice series use the hashtag JOSBT pain science in practice uh, use that hashtag. You can find it on all the articles and also uh, on, on Twitter if you look for JOSPT on Twitter. And you can follow me or look for my tweets as well. I'm I'm at MH underscore DK. That is Morden Hugh underscore Denmark. Please follow me there. I'm on you know different social media. You can find me there as well. And I'll, I'll make sure to shout when, when something is out. And then definitely do reach out if you have ideas or suggestions or or comments. I'll take, you know, take any comment as positive criticism. Do share your ideas and, and thoughts. And of course, people can also tweet to the JOSPT account, JOSPT. People can also connect on Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram as well with the JOSPT accounts and we can gather that information. And I've certainly seen lots of really good feedback and lots of enthusiasm with the series so far. People engaging with those with those articles for sure. Morton, it's been great hearing from you today and hearing what's to come in the Pain Science in Practice series. Thanks so much for making the time to join me on JOSPT Insights. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of JOSPT Insights. For more discussion of the issues in musculoskeletal rehabilitation that are relevant to your practice, subscribe to JOSPT Insights on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google, or your favourite podcast app. If you like JOSPT Insights, help others find us. Tell your friends and colleagues and rate and review us. To keep up to date with all the latest JOSPT content, be sure to follow us on Twitter, we're at JOSPT, and Facebook, we're JOSPT Official. Talk with you next time.